Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Special shout out to Russell Martz for the awesome intro music. You can find Russell on SoundCloud at Sprouts Music, S-P-R-O-U-T-Z. And now, we hope you'll enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey, Michael, how are you doing this week? I'm doing all right, Nate. How are you? I am doing wonderful. I hear you're in Cleburne getting ready to do a wedding again. Another yeah. wedding. I, I, I have lots of weddings this year. After being a youth pastor uh, for years, um, I just got a crop of young people who have found their mate and want to get married. So I'm here in beautiful Cleburne, Texas. Uh, outside, uh, Just outside of town is uh, Camp Arrowhead. That's where I grew up, going to children's camp and the the place they're getting married is across the highway uh, from it, and I uh, I just got in autopilot yesterday, and I was supposed to be going to the rehearsal, and instead I just turned down and started going down the road to Camp Arrowhead. I got about halfway down the road and went, "Oh, I'm going the wrong way." I just you ever do that? You ever just get in autopilot and just yeah, take that off? that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do that all the time on my way. Um, to work. If I'm going somewhere near my work, I end up just at work. Right. <laughs> That's my family will be going and they'll say, where are you going, dad? I said, well, I'm going to the same place I always go and, and we won't be headed there. So they end up frustrated with me. I do that when I'm talking too. It's dangerous for me to drive and talk at the same time because I'll just pass up exits and keep going. You know, just to because the conversation was more important than the destination, I guess. Yeah, my wife calls. I do the exact same thing, and she calls it, Nate. You're in the zone. Stop <laughs> talking on the phone. We need to find where we're going. We're going to be late. <laughs> so yeah, yeah I, I I resonate with that. Well, um, last weekend I went down to uh, my former church where I was a youth pastor and went to church there. And so funny story. We're getting ready to go to church. And my youngest son has not like pressed his shirt or at least thrown it in the dryer to fluff up or anything. So <laughs> we're like five minutes to go time. And he, you know, is it, he cares what he looks about. He's one of those types, you know, I, I think we all do to some degree. So he says, well, I'm just going to throw it in the dryer. Well, unbeknownst to us, our sister-in-law's dryer has water to it. Have you ever heard of this? Like, no. The dryer has a water hookup, so when he puts it on um, just wrinkle release, it shoots steam all over the shirt, but because there's only one shirt in there, it just completely drenches the shirt. <laughs> so so we're, we're at the house, and it's the only nice shirt he's brought. So for my kids, dressing up is he has a pair of flamingo shorts on, and he uh-huh. wanted this flamingo shirt to match it. Yeah, And so luckily I had an extra shirt that matched his shirt uh, or his shorts. And so <laughs> the final thing was Paula pressed my shirt. Uh, it 
matched his shorts enough and we went to church and now I have lost my purple shirt. Uh, it's no no longer mine. And And my kids steal my stuff all the time. That's just how this works. Yeah. And Tyler and I, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I get a favorite thing. And then all of a sudden I'm like, where's my, where's that favorite shirt that I had? And Jonah's wearing it or Maggie's wearing it. Yeah. So happens to me all the time. Tyler and I wear the same size shoe. So we say we share shoes. Oh no. We also wear about the same size shirt. Now he's a lot thinner than I am, but uh, if we're wearing certain kinds of shirts, we can get in the same shirt. But anyway, so he told me, Dad, uh, you're not getting this one back. It looks really good on me. And so I'm <laughs> going to keep it. But we walk into church and we're late. So it's dark. The At least the first, maybe second song is playing. And of course, I haven't been here in six years. So there are people trying to shake our hands, trying to hug on us, you know, as they're singing. And it's the most awkward thing ever because I'm like, wait, we're worshiping Jesus here. Don't, <laughs> don't let us bother you. And so don't let us don't let felt, our entry. Yeah, we felt really bad about being late. And then Danny Dyer, one of my good friends, he uh, he said, you know, we always like to recognize our former pastors that are here during the prayer time and stuff. And he said, even if you are trying to sneak in late, and I was, he had no <laughs> idea. We weren't trying to sneak in late. We just had a. A wardrobe malfunction, as as it were. So. You had a you had a steam soaked shirt. That's right. Yeah. Which I don't know if steam soaked is that any different than water soaked. I don't think so. And and it was soaked. Like I pulled it out of the dryer and I said, Tyler, this shirt may never be dry again. <laughs> it was like so. Well, because it was it was infused. Like you know how like this last Sunday was Trinity Sunday. You know people use the Trinity. And water. They use water to describe the Trinity. Oh, you're yeah. going to take this and you're going to yeah. turn it into Trinity Sunday. This is beautiful. So, we did not script this. <laughs> so so Trinity Sunday, you know, you're talking about the Holy Spirit and how it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then you're you're dealing with, I've heard people use water to describe it. I don't think that's the, necessarily the best way to describe it, but I've heard better ways. But this, uh, there's this sense where then his shirt was soaked with the Holy Spirit. Right. There you go. Right. There Saturated. You go. Saturated in the Holy Spirit. Immersed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> speaking of Trinity Sunday, I, I had a friend who posted about Trinity Sunday and said, for all of those of you struggling with describing the Trinity on this Trinity Sunday, have you forgotten that this is the same God we worship every other Sunday of the year. I thought it was pretty funny because uh, we do we do always want to kind of talk about the three in one and the mystery there. But uh, ultimately, all of our preaching points towards this God uh, who is three in one. And so, yeah, right. That's a it's always such a difficult conversation to have um, because we want to we want to. Uh, Unfortunately, break God down, dissect him, put him in all of his, in all the jars. This is God's big toe, and this is what God's big toe does. Right, yeah. And and, and then we then we have a Sunday like, you know, Pentecost, or uh, or we have uh, Trinity Sunday, where then the attempt to describe it becomes so messy, because it is such a mystery. It's not, it's right, not easily yeah. described. It's not, how, how does this relationship work? Who was Jesus talking to? When he was praying, when he was on earth, was the father really separated from the son or was Jesus just talking to himself, but doing it in a way that 
would help us relate to God or was God really there? And if, and if God was on earth then who was maintaining the cosmos at that time, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's so interesting. All the things we use, you know, and they all break down at some point, obviously I've heard like, you know, the M and M with the, there's the outer shell and then there's the chocolate and then there's like the peanut (laughs) in the middle. So, (laughs) Oh yeah. People try everything. You know, uh, Richard of St. Victor, he said it this way. He said, God has to be three. Uh, because, um, one can be good Two, uh, two can have love and three, uh, three can delight or have joy. So, um, basically, you know, the father God could create by himself and, and it would just be good. But then in order to have love, you have to have the father and the son. You have to have that relationship for love to, to kick in. And then, but what good is love if there's nothing to delight in, uh, to have joy? And so the Spirit, uh, you know, helps uh, helps us understand. And so, and if you if you carry that out, then if Jesus says that the Spirit will be in you, then God's delight, His loving delight, will actually be in us. And that's how we get to participate in the in in what the Trinity is up to, what God is up to. Uh, I just really like that, that version. Um, it, it leaves the mystery. It doesn't try to, you know, break it down and make it a kind of a scientific explanation. It just says, Hey, listen, this is about relationship. So, yeah. And to extend that a little bit on Wednesday, we were talking about first John and at the end of the kind of prologue to first John, it says, um, basically we've been invited to this fellowship with, you know, the father, it doesn't mention the spirit in this one, but obviously it's through Jesus in the spirit that we are invited. And then it it says, and we write this to make our joy complete. So then we extend that fellowship and and we don't often think about that. When we think about the world outside of the church, like, like the, the early writers are saying our joy is complete when you know the fellowship, like that makes us joyful. And uh, a lot of times, you know, uh, sometimes the church has, has gotten caught up in, in talking about all the things that are wrong outside of the church instead of like saying, hey, come on and join us and our joy will be complete when you realize this fellowship right. that we're all a part of here. So right, yeah, yeah, it was interesting that Trinity Sunday fell on Memorial Day. So I know there are probably some churches who who celebrated a Memorial Day weekend, not Memorial Day. Uh, celebrated Trinity Sunday, and there's some churches probably that didn't even talk about Trinity Sunday. And uh, I, I think it's important, that important distinction there. Um, you know, we are Christian. The church is, runs by a different calendar a little bit. And so uh, while all the holidays are important that we celebrate, you know, as Americans or as, um, you know, people in the church, the, the Christian calendar reorients us to uh, remember the things that we're about as a church and sure. And sure. ultimately, uh, I think you've talked a little bit about that before and how mother's day sometimes falls, uh, on Pentecost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's always that, that complicated thing where, all right, let's, uh, let's give the, you know, do we talk about the Holy spirit as the mother of the church or do we, you know, right. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've heard it done a lot of ways where, you know, it, it is Pentecost is kind of the birthday of the church. So it's, you know, it's, it, it works, but, uh, sometimes it's difficult when your national holidays trump your, uh, uh, 
Did you say Trump on purpose or was that? No, I did. I know. It just just happens. I used that word before I was elected. And so now it's just part of my default vernacular. And and now it finds that uh, its way into. And then it seems like I'm being more angry or cynical or mean than I am being because no, it's, it's using his I'm just a pot stirrer by nature. No. <laughs> you know that. I just like to stir the pot a little bit. So yeah. you said, yeah, it is interesting when sometimes our national holidays trump uh, our, yeah. the, the, church the church calendar. calendar. And so uh, how do we how do we deal with that? Because, you know, Memorial Day, uh, I don't I certainly don't want to do any disservice to the soldier and to the fallen soldier, to the people who have paid the ultimate price. Uh, right. Yeah. For, you know, to, for defending, for defending a way of life, for defending their country, for defending their countrymen, for you know, um, for doing those things. Um, I, I certainly, you know, uh, appreciate those people. I think on a local level, I appreciate them when they're police officers and and servicemen and women EMTs and uh, all, all the folks. You know, because because I don't often see uh, you know in a tangible way. Uh, some of the things that our military is doing, but I, I am a chaplain at the police department in San Marcos. And, uh, so I get to regularly spend time with people who are, who are putting themselves in harm's way, uh, for others. And it's a noble thing. It's a noble thing. But, um, you know, when you're, when you're at church and it's a Sunday morning and you're, you're trying to worship God and, and honor, you know, fallen soldiers at the same time, it's, it, it makes for a, an interesting, uh, Sunday morning. We, matter of fact, this Sunday morning, uh, my, uh, my homage <laughs> or whatever to, to, uh, uh, to Memorial day was to receive communion. Um, because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So I, I also, you know, I, I struggle with this. I, I definitely love being an American. I, I will be just honest with you. I have pacifistic tendencies. Anybody who knows me knows that. But sure. I'm not, I, I would love to say that I trust God enough to be a pacifist all the time. But I also realize that, that, that we live in a, those of us who live in America, we, we have this kind of ability to be pacifistic if you want to. Um, and sometimes though, we still live under the umbrella of, of some police officers who, you know, in a world where people will just go on killing sprees, uh, how do we, how do we live in that kind of, of world? And, and so there's a lot more questions in my mind than, uh, you know, as I look at Jesus though, I'm, I'm com- always unsettled a little bit and how quickly maybe we 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 jump to the uh, the response of violence because it's you know when I look at Jesus it's always the uh, those who live by the sword die by the sword and so I really really wrestle with this understanding of of what does it mean to live as a Christian in a world that's broken um, how does that work out individually so how does it work out individually for me how do I how do I live in such a way that that I'm a peacemaker. Yeah. And yet if someone comes after one of my children, I don't know how peaceful I'm going yeah. to be. Like, honestly, yeah. I mean, it, I, I feel like it's confession today. Like for me, it's a real, real struggle. It's um, I, I live in this world uh, that, that is broken. 
Sure. But then at the same time, sometimes, you know, we, we tend towards these mixed messages. Um, like, you know, I saw a video this weekend that talked about, you know, how um, in the church, even talking about safety and also about rights. And I look at the gospel of Jesus and and I don't I don't think those early martyrs were worried about their safety and their rights. And I'm not saying I'm there by any stretch. Like yeah. I struggle with this. I wrestle with it. I, I, I hear the words of Jesus and I want to live the words of Jesus, but also know in this broken world that, that I have the privilege of wrestling with it while sure. there are people out at night, like, um, you know, protecting me in, in some yeah. ways. And I don't like, I don't know how that all works out, but I think sometimes people uh, like I really think sometimes people think I'm unpatriotic when actually I really love uh, living in the country I live in. Uh, I just I, my my always default is to hesitate when nationalism kind of s- just seeps into our religious practice. Uh, then we begin to think that that, you know, we as Americans are somehow chosen that we are somehow, uh, you know, and sure, and sure. then it's, then it's, I start to back up real quick and say, "Hey, wait a second, um, yeah. you know, when we meet Especially together, a, being that we grew up Nazarene, you know, the Nazarene Church is an international church, and so yeah, uh, you know, when we go to district assembly, some, I, you know, I I asked some folks in my small group the other day, um, can you describe a tangible moment, a moment when you were so totally aware of the presence of God? And several of them had been to what we call General Assembly, which is this worldwide gathering of people uh, from Nazarene churches around the world. And um, and so here, several of them said that was a tangible moment when they knew the presence of God, when they were standing in a room full of people who didn't speak the same languages, who were from all over the world, singing the same song in multiple languages, having conversations with people that they had to struggle to have because they didn't speak the same language. Um, it was, uh, they were all, they were describing Pentecost, you know, yeah. kind of, and it was like, that was a tangible expression of, of the presence of God for you. And yet you're right. Sometimes when we practice syncretism, we begin to think that America is the promised land. And we begin to think that, you know, uh, and, and we, and we ignore the fact that sometimes that, uh, some of our, some of our military exercises, uh, which I've talked to some soldiers about this and the frustrations that they have is that sometimes there doesn't seem to be a point or the point is so hidden beneath politics that we're pretty sure it's not what they signed up for, you know. Um, and there's been those frustrations down through the years. Obviously, uh, you know, we could we could get into a whole discussion. And I have I don't have enough uh, understanding or uh, or depth to to know all of those things. I tend to, uh, you know, uh, side with the prophets in Scripture. You know, who talk about the empire as uh, the empire will will take your your young men and and make them soldiers and your young women and make them concubines and uh, and the Israel still said we want a king we want a king and they were like no you don't want a king and, right yeah you know that that yeah. whole conversation and and then once they finally had a king they were like hey these guys are taking our young men and making them soldiers and our young men and making them concubines and God's like I told you that's what would happen why why didn't well, you listen to me did you ever see the movie Hacksaw Ridge where Spider Man AKA uh, Andrew Garfield is a conscientious objector. Uh-uh. No. Okay. So that was a fascinating movie to me because here's this guy who's a conscientious objector and he 
finally is able to enter the battle without carrying a weapon. He goes through this big, long process. And, and one of the things that I noticed, and, and, and it brings these questions up to me, is sure. here he is. And the story is how this man just saves all these people's lives. I mean, he goes and he grabs these people that are wounded and he brings them down this ridge and he like all night, that's his job. He just keeps doing that. But as you're watching the movie, you also notice that in order for him to survive, like some other people are shooting some bullets. And so, um, so it's this really, really, (laughs) I mean, the tension is there. You, You have to wrestle with what does it mean to really consciously object, you know, and I wonder if if that's not kind of the church should look different enough that people see the difference. Like like when you see this man who walks out without a weapon, people sure. think he's crazy. And, no. and so maybe it's not that the world is going to be utopia, although we know it's headed towards a place where there are no battles and war and famine and pain. But but right now we live kind of in this brokenness. But maybe. The church is just to be kind of that prophetic voice like you're talking about, um, where we people look at us and they think, these people are a little crazy. Sure. Like like Andy Griffith, you know. Uh, did you ever watch the Andy Griffith show? Yes, but I don't know where you're going with this. I'm, I'm trying to follow like... <laughs> I'm watching it. Andrew Garfield, like, Andy Griffith. We got <laughs> Andy's going today. Well, so. Andy, Andy was the sheriff without a gun. Do you remember they made like a, a movie about him? Uh, in within the context of the show, they came out and gotcha. Filmed, uh, okay, the, now I'm following. Without a gun, because he just would walk up and 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 people would say, "How did you just approach that man with a gun? He was shooting at you." He said, "Oh, he wasn't shooting at me. That guy could shoot the fly off of a off of your shoulder at fifty paces. If he wanted to hit me, he'd have hit me." Right. right? Apparently, I haven't watched as much Andy Griffith as you. Oh, have. I have. Right now, like I'm, that's my Netflix. Right before I go to bed at night, I turn on an episode of Andy Griffith. Good old Aunt B. And yeah, I love it. And I don't know why I love it. And a great filmmaker as a little kid. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Every time I'm watching Opie, I'm thinking this dude knows how to make films. This dude is crazy. This kid grows up to be somebody who really is an artist. That's amazing. You didn't know, Barney Fife like have one bullet? Is that the old He joke? got to carry one bullet, and every time he put it in the gun, he nearly shot himself in the foot with it. <laughs> yeah. See, that's me. <laughs> that's part of my pacifistic yeah. tendency is like, I, 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 I would shoot myself if I owned guns. I would hurt myself, so I don't. Right. Well, Andy goes up, and they're like, well, why did you just approach that guy with a gun? And he's like, he's not going to shoot me. He's my friend. Yeah. Well, he's a criminal. Or he's breaking the law, or whatever. And, and breaking like, the law. Sorry. The fact that he's breaking. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that he's breaking the law doesn't change the fact that he's my friend, and I've known him for years. Which kind of brings us full circle to where you were talking earlier about going to Fort Worth first, you know, and and you said uh, that somehow worship worship happens in the context of the community that you know and that you love. Yeah. So it felt weird to me this week, which that used to be my community. But but it was like the it's not that the musicians weren't as good as our musicians, although the lead guy is my son, so I'm a little biased there. But <laughs> but it's just like there is so much about worship that is shaped by who you're with. Yeah. And who's singing, you know that person. 
mm-hmm. and you love that person. And the person preaching is walking with you and they're, they're going to the hospital with you and they're sitting by you in difficult times. You know, I, I think there's so much of that that we maybe miss there. Sure. That's when we're doing life together, all of a sudden, you know, it, I was watching, I was watching the band this week while, while they led us in worship uh, at Wayfinders and I watched our worship leader. He would turn and he would nod to another member of the band. And the two that he gave kind of the lead in, so he let the drums lead in on one song and had the uh, the keyboard lead in on a couple of different songs. Dude, drums well, leading in is daring. I'm speaking that as a drummer because they just want to have a solo no matter what. <laughs> well, and the kids, and both of the kids, the kid who plays drum and, drums and the kid who... Uh, the young lady who plays uh, keyboard are both high school students. And so um, there was just this wonderful note where, where it wasn't like the worship leader was letting the drummer take the lead. It was this moment where Tyler was, ex- was letting Josh take the lead. But that's only, that only made sense if you know them, Right. Like if a, if somebody if a stranger walked in if somebody who was new uh, a visitor we call yeah. them, we call them visitors but they're really I mean until we get to know them I guess they're strangers but um, <laughs> and we're all strangers to them I think like that is the most I just want to celebrate the person who says I'm going to church today and around a never bunch of strangers before, and they just walk into a room full of strangers and begin to worship the Lord and become vulnerable and trust this group of people. Like yeah, that, that's big. I, that's huge. I think we ought to just like give them a medal, you know, like <laughs> congratulations. Yeah. You're the bravest of us all today. But you then know. we would single them out and they would hate it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the dilemma with visitors in the church or strangers, yes. if you want to say that. Mm-hmm. Although I don't want to call them strangers because I want them to be friends, you know. I, I assume they're friends. Uh, well, yes. And that's what they're doing. Walking into a room full of strangers and assuming that they're friends. Yeah, that's brave. brave. Yeah, it's a brave thing to do. You know, you you brave heart, you brave heart. (laughs) I I don't get that reference. Sorry, it's from the office, but oh, okay, it's stupid. (laughs) All right, I haven't watched all of the office. Maggie has watched it through three or four times, and she tries to get. That's why Maggie is so much cooler than you. (laughs) Well, I resigned myself to that fact a long time ago. So today is today her birthday. Today is Maggie Pig's birthday. Shout out to Maggie Pig, one of the yeah. finest young ladies you'll ever meet. And yeah. it is, I'm assuming, 18? No, she's just 17. She'll be a senior. Oh, she's young. Year. Yeah, she's a junior. Um, and she'll be a senior this next year. So we're we're rooting for her. But uh, I'm actually, you know, I keep whispering in her ear, you know, uh, I'd love for her to go to my alma mater and go to Southern Nazarene University, but I keep whispering to her, you know, Texas State is just down the road. You could live at the house. You know? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, that doesn't know. always work out so well. No, she does, she's not interested. Uh, she's kind of interested, but she really wants to kind of go away and start, you know, figuring out what she's going to do with the rest of her life. And Says the I, guy who lives 30 minutes from his alma mater. You? You? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I ended up with the best of both worlds on that one. Yeah, you did. You got a sweet deal there. Well, here's a deal for you. Okay. If Maggie comes to SNU, you have a room to stay in anytime you want to come see her. Oh, is there a pool? There is a pool. 
<laughs> I was in the pool this morning Did for you? 30 minutes of exercise. I got up early and I, uh, I, Nathan comes out and I am gassed, man. If you've ever swam for 30 minutes, but, but we swam a little together this morning and his youth group, uh, the first Korean church, which he's been interning at all year and he'll do a summer with them as well. Uh-huh. They're coming over tonight, so I got to go home after this and uh, weed eat a little bit because I mowed the other day, but I didn't get the weed eating done. So uh-huh. got company coming, but I'm really proud of him. One of the ladies from his church said this to me, and as a dad, you'll never hear anything that will make you more proud. Yeah. She said, your son, my son came home from church and said, when Nathan is talking about God, it's like I hear God talking in the back of my head. <laughs> Wow. And I was like, I don't know if anyone's ever said that about me. And then she said, and your son is such a great example. And I'm like, man, Paul is about to boo-hoo. We're like over there for (laughs) Friday night service. And I'm just like, I'm about to tear up because I'm like, you know, Mm -hmm. there's nothing that you could say about my son. She said, we can't believe he's a freshman. He acts like a senior. And I'm like, do you have the right Nathan? I think Leah Ben's been wearing off on him or something. Over there, so. Oh yeah. Anyway, yeah. so they're coming over tonight, and we'll have a good time. Uh, but I I appreciate you talking with me today. We kind of been around the block a little bit. Any any last thoughts before we go? Oh no, I I think it's uh, I I don't know what we covered today. We covered yeah. a little bit of a lot of things, and I, I'm. I hope that we haven't confused people. I did want to say um, in re-listening to our last podcast um, on what a pastor does all week, yeah. I realized that I use the the masculine pronoun way too often when I'm talking about pastors. Like if I would do a generic, well, the pastor, you know, he this and he that. And, he, right. and, and I really don't want to be known as the guy who thinks that uh, that only men – uh, can hold the role of pastor. I think in the New Testament we see women uh, who are who are in charge or charged with it, not in charge. I don't like that boss kind of. Yeah, point, but, I know what you uh, mean. But, but they are charged with the leadership of the church. Um, I think you know Paul says several times, neither male nor female, slave nor free, right. Jew nor Greek. You know? And so there's always this kind of breaking down of that. And and so I was thinking that eventually we're going to have to get us. Uh, some help with this podcast and maybe bring some uh, some women who are in ministry, maybe get some of their perspective on this. Yeah. And, uh, think so I'm going to start great. using he or she um, and do a better job of being more inclusive in the way I talk. And so I just, that's a retraction. Well, that's our first retraction. There Nate. you go. <laughs> I think anybody who knows you, Michael, knows that you support uh, women in ministry. For those of you who aren't Nazarenes, I, I might just throw out that we have always been a tribe that supports women in ministry. Now, maybe not always as practically as we would like, which we'll get into uh, with what, whichever uh, lady we have on the podcast. You know, my sister-in-law is a pastor ordained minister in oh, the yeah, church of Nazarene. And uh, for a long time, that language did get brought up. And so my brother would always joke about, because it'd always be pastor and wives retreat. So he was always the pastor's wife. And yeah. so we've been trying really hard to change the language. Um, for those of us who were brought up before the language has been changed, uh, sometimes sometimes you fall back into things. And I even do that when I'm preaching. I'm thinking, you know, sometimes I, I express the gospel in ways that it was just expressed to me. And I'm like, I don't know if I really believe that. So, oh, so sure. yeah, 
we we are all learning and growing, but we will do that. That would be a great episode. Uh, we're also going to get one of our young millennial friend pastors here, hopefully. Uh, oh, we're yeah. trying to figure out how to network and talk a little bit about millennials and the church, uh, specifically our Church of the Nazarene, maybe. But it's going to be, uh, we got a lot of good episodes coming. And I appreciate, you know, I appreciate the fact that we can admit maybe when, we, when we're when we wrong. <laughs> that's, I think that's, when I talk about holiness, I say holiness isn't always about getting it right, but it's about making it right. I, I really believe that. Sure. I, I say some really stupid things. Yeah. I think it's only when you don't go back and make things right that you end up with some issues. Well, man, we're at 31 minutes. As always, love you. Hope you have a love great uh, weekend at the wedding, and we'll have some fun with the First Korean Church tonight, the youth ministry there. And All right. We'll see you next time. Take care. All right. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.